0: The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May.
1: Amen. If you have your Bible, go with us to Matthew 21. Chris, is going to read our scripture for us. We invite you to remain standing in honor of the Word.
0: Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee.
1: This is, I pray you receive it as such and you may be seated. Well, when we are born into this uh, fascinating world, if we're born in a hospital, we uh, get a little bracelet that is put on our wrist and this Helps with identification, right? A lot of babies look alike. So we want to make sure that people can tell who we are. As we go through life, we have these things called fingerprints that are used to identify who we are. And now, in this technological age, people know who you are everywhere you go. We have this uh, technology, hardware and software called facial recognition technology. And like, there's no hiding your identity today, right? Well, Jesus' triumphal entry, what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, was a means of helping his people understand who he really was. And they should have they already figured this out by now. I mean, Jesus has done tons of miracles by this point, but in fact, they, some of them had not, but this just brought even more clarity to Jesus' purpose and his mission and his identity As he entered on a uh, cult, he was fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9, testifying that he was indeed Israel's long-awaited Messiah. So crowds of people on this first Palm Sunday showed up to celebrate Jesus, or so it would appear. But here's what I want you to get, and I talked about this a little bit last week. I'm going to fight with this microphone again. Uh, Here's what I want you to see, that they came to celebrate actually not the historical Jesus, but their own version of Jesus. They weren't interested in the real Jesus and his real mission. They wanted to know, can somebody grab me another mic, please, sorry. Uh, They wanted to know, they, they wanted their own version of Jesus. Thanks, brother. Check, 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 check. Can you hear me? All right, I'm going to get these things figured out before long. Is that better? All right. So you know that there's been times in my life, if I'm being honest, that I've wanted my own version of Jesus, right? Like I'm not so much interested in the biblical, historical Jesus. I I want my own version of Jesus. And we hear a lot of talk about the Lord today, do we not? Particularly in this hour. Many people are calling upon the Lord, but I'm afraid that many folks like those in this passage really misunderstand the real mission of Jesus, the real identity of Jesus. This can leave us disillusioned. It can leave us confused. So it's vital to our spiritual health that our views of Jesus align with the Bible. This is what the series in Matthew is about, and we'll see throughout this passage how detrimental a misunderstanding of Christ can truly be. So, as we look at this passage, it is clear that the crowd believed that Jesus could actually be their king, that he could be their Messiah. Look at verse 8. It says that most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Has this ever happened to you? Probably not. The spreading of cloaks was a sign of the people's submission and their confidence in the kingship of Jesus. There's a story uh, told of the, the great explorer, Sir Walton Raleigh, who was on one occasion with Queen Elizabeth I, and they were walking through the streets of London. And on their journey, they came upon a, a, a particular part of the road that was really muddy. And so he, he did something very charming, uh, and he took off his cloak and he laid it down so that The queen could pass without getting muddy. I thought about that, and I said, you know, if I did that for Nikki, she'd probably just yell at me because I got my coat dirty, right? I don't think it'd be as appreciated today. But the reason that the story of Sir Walter has survived is because this type of gesture is not something that we see every day. This act of kindness shows extreme esteem for an individual, it's like this. It's like laying down the red carpet for someone. This is precisely what we see happening in Matthew 21. As Jesus enters on the colt, crowds of people are there to welcome him, and they lay down the red carpet as to say, here is our king. So we think in the Western contemporary world like big deal. They put down a coat on the road. We have closets, most of us, full of coats, right? But in the first century, this perhaps would have been their only cloak, and they laid it on the ground to be dirty, to get dirty, and to be trampled. We have a picture here of someone holding Jesus in the highest regard, or so it would seem. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 13. It, it tells the story of one of Israel's famous kings, and... Uh, when he was proclaimed king in defiance of the, of the then king, people spread their cloaks under his feet, just showing their submission to his kingship. So this was a symbol of submission. Are you with me? So in spreading their cloaks, the crowd was making a clear statement that they had the highest hopes that Jesus was, in fact, their long-awaited king, their long-awaited Messiah. And they were ready to submit to his kingship. And they had it right, did they not? Jesus was their Messiah. He was their king. But they had still a misconception of what he came to do. And here's how we know that. Not only did they lay down their cloaks, but they did something that you saw the kids do today. They waved the, the, the palm branches, and they put the palm branches on the road. Well, why would they do that? Verse 8, it says, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees, and they spread them on the road. John Gospel, John's gospel tells us that they were palm trees. Palm branches, very important, were symbolic of Jewish nationalism and victory. Jewish nationalism and victory. So just a couple centuries before this event, Judas Maccabeus arrived in Jerusalem after conquering Israel's enemies, those who had oppressed Israel. And as he entered the city, he too was welcomed by the waving of palm branches. And so Israel, in our text, is now under the heavy hand, the tyranny of Rome, And what do they want? We've talked about it many times. They want deliverance from Rome. That's all they care about. As Moses brought them out of Egypt, they're just looking for somebody to deliver them from the heavy hand of Rome. And so they begin to wave these palm branches as a sign that that's what they're looking for. To add to the celebration, they began to sing royal messianic hymns. They were shouting, verse 9, Hosanna, Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. These words are taken right from Psalm 118 and rightly applied to Jesus. Jesus. They recognize that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. They were shouting, Hosanna, which is a transliteration of the Hebrew expression that means, Oh, save. They're looking to Jesus and they're crying, Oh, save. Save us, Lord. By welcoming Jesus as the, quote, Son of David, the crowd made this desire for Jesus to be their king very explicit. Could this be the promised one whose kingdom would never end? The Jews had been waiting for a king like David to arrive and to save them from their oppression. They hoped that their king was here. So what's the issue on this first Palm Sunday? This all sounds good at at first glance. It, It looks good, does it not? Well, there's an issue here. Because we know that Jesus came to Jerusalem not to be enthroned like David was enthroned by wiping out enemies, but by laying down his life, even for those that oppressed Israel. He would be enthroned by being hung on a cross at Calvary. It's not what Israel was expecting, nor was it what they wanted. Here's what I want you to see. The people of Israel were willing to submit to Jesus, symbolized by the laying down of their cloaks, the the waving of the branches, but they only wanted to submit to him on their terms. Does that not sound like the contemporary church? The crowds wanted a Savior. Who wouldn't? And this is why they shouted, Hosanna! But they wanted to be saved from Rome, not necessarily their sins. Israel wanted a king, but they wanted a warrior like David who would take out their Goliath, one who would rule with brute force, not one who would be hung on a cross. To be sure, Jesus in the end will come in power, in judgment, and social injustices will be made right. But in this triumphal entry, he came not to deal with Rome, but a much greater need as we've talked about over the last few weeks. He came to deal with sin. And he came, surprisingly, to Israel, not just for Israel, but that through Israel, all the nations would be blessed. That's why we get to be here today as non-Jewish people. And here's what I want you to see, that once the crowd realized that Jesus' purposes did not align with theirs, they just walked away. As a matter of fact, some of them wanted him dead. Some scholars believe that many of the ones who were in the crowd on this first Palm Sunday shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, were the same ones just days later shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Why? Because Jesus' purposes did not align with theirs. They wanted a Savior. But they didn't want to surrender to his purposes. When Jesus didn't meet their demands, they were out. This is so relative to where we are today because so many people just talked about this last week, but I want to reiterate it and reiterate it because it's not just out there that there's a misconception of Jesus. It's in here. They don't want today the Jesus that asked you to forgive your enemies. You don't want that version of Jesus. Not the Jesus that asks you daily to take up your cross and to follow him. No, you just want the Jesus that's going to say, hey, uh, do what you want during the week. Come to church on Sunday. Everything's going to be okay. Not the Jesus who tells you to walk in sexual purity, but your own version of Jesus who says, hey, do what you want. Live like you want. It's your body. When the Lord doesn't move in the way that many people want today, when He doesn't answer prayer in the way that they want, they flee because they're left disillusioned, because their version of Jesus is not the historical, biblical Jesus. The Jews were looking for a king that would overthrow the Roman Empire. And our version of Jesus may not look like theirs. But we have misconceptions in the church. And I talked about some of these last week. But I'm going to reiterate these and reiterate these and reiterate these until our version of Jesus matches the biblical Jesus. And Zach, you might be surprised that I'm already finishing up. But you can go ahead and start playing. Don't get used to this. Zach's about to fall out in the Holy Ghost right now. (laughs) Not the Holy Ghost, just pure shock, actually. Let me just give you some common misconceptions of Jesus in our culture. Number one, we have self-help Jesus. Oh, this one's popular. Self-help Jesus. This is what you hear hear on many uh, Christian, quote-unquote, television stations. Those who want to self-help Jesus are looking for a Savior who will come alongside them and help them fulfill their wildest dreams. And if you just practice these principles, God will make your wildest dreams come true self-help Jesus. They're not looking for a Savior who will put them on a path for God's mission. There are many pulpits that see Jesus as nothing more than a divine Dr. Phil or Oprah Winfrey. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth. That's why each Sunday you get a little motivational speech with just a little bit of Scripture thrown in to make it seem spiritual. It's kind of a footnote, the Scripture is. It's a Self-help Jesus. And then, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to, but Patriot Jesus. Patriot Jesus. Like first century Israel, many Americans are looking for Patriot Jesus, Nationalist Jesus. They're looking for Jesus that will further their political agenda. Oh, we've seen this in recent days. They're looking for Republican Jesus or Democrat Jesus. But can I just stress to you again that Jesus is neither Republican nor is he Democrat. And he's not just for America, by the way. He's for all the nations of the world. You know, he, he doesn't fit into a turn, a two-party system. He doesn't fit into a democracy. <laughs> it's a monarchy. And uh, he, he is king. Amen? Patriot Jesus. Then there's one of the real popular ones become very popular over the last two centuries bellhop jesus and if you don't know what a bellhop is you you can call him vending machine jesus this is the version of jesus where he's always on standby just waiting to fulfill every little need you have and it's kind of like you just put a coin in the vending machine and you say jesus i'll take h3 and today here's my blessing i did this i paid my tithes i went to church i did this so you owe me this boom i'll take this bell hopped jesus clap your hands ring the bell here he comes then temperpedic jesus temperpedic jesus when we moved to kentucky we bought a new mattress and uh when you lay in a mattress on a store you can't really tell it's kind of weird to lay in a mattress uh, on a mattress in a store right and so I just, I don't want to lay there long and really see if it's comfortable. I'm like, yep, that's good. Like people are looking at me as I'm napping in a, the middle of a store. And so we bought a mattress, Nikki and I, and, and for a few weeks it seemed okay, pretty good. But it didn't take long outside of where we could send it back, of course. We figured out this is not the mattress for us. I mean, my back is hurt. I wake up in the morning. It's, it's been hard to sleep. Woe is me, right? First world problems. I couldn't afford a new mattress, the one I wanted. I wanted a Tempur-Pedic. But now they make Tempur-Pedic mattress toppers. Uh Uh-huh. And just this last week, folks, if I see more rested today, we got a a mattress topper and even we pay just a little bit more and it's got a cooling topper on it. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. Tempur-Pedic Jesus is what we want. You know what we want? This is the version of Jesus where he exists only to make my life more comfortable. We don't want the Jesus who said that we will go through tribulation, John 16, In this world you will have tribulation. We don't want the Jesus who says we'll be persecuted for our faith. We don't want the Jesus who said we'll grow through our trials. No, we want the Jesus to says, to, who will take all our cares and troubles away where we can just kind of sit back and coast through Life, And then there's finally Lifeline Jesus. Oh, he's a popular Jesus. Lifeline Jesus. You remember, uh, what what was the show? Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Remember the Lifeline? And and you got a phone call, right? You could call anybody. I don't know why nobody ever called me. (laughs) Lifeline Jesus. Here's, Here's what it is. Jesus, leave me alone. Don't tell me how to run my life. I'll call you when I'm in trouble. And when trouble comes knocking at your door, you're back in church, you're back in the Bible, you're back in prayer. Man, you are a holy roller for about three days. And then when your situation is worked out, you're right back doing what you used to do. Lifeline Jesus. And this is what we now see. Multitudes of people want Jesus, not for who He is, but they want their own version of Jesus, their own version of Jesus. So your version of Jesus may not match the historical Jesus, but can I just close by saying that the historical Jesus is so much better than any version you could conjure up in your mind. He's so much more wonderful than anything you could ever think of or imagine. I was, for years, for the last 20 years almost, I've had issues with my gut health. And I I went in Tucson and in Greeley, Colorado, from doctor to doctor to doctor, and they'd give me medication after medication, quick fix after quick fix, and nothing worked. And I was just miserable all the time. When we moved back here, we have friends that recommended a doctor in Lexington and uh, started going to this doctor and I, I was a little frustrated at first because there was no quick fix that she offered. But instead, she gave me some life changes, uh, some diet changes, some uh, changes to my sleep and how ways to manage stress, so on and so forth. And it took a while, but eventually, though she wasn't exactly what I was looking for in the beginning, it turned out that she's exactly what I needed and help me feel better than i've ever felt in my life and i just want to tell you some of you are looking for a band-aid jesus a, a band-aid fix but i'm telling you you need to submit to the real historical jesus and today he, he may not be the the version of jesus you're looking for but if you'll serve him you'll submit to him you will find out he will change your life and, and in six months from now maybe tomorrow but but in a year from now uh, two years from now some you're going to look back and say oh
0: visit us online at myrealchurch.org.